0: Welcome to Is This Real Life?, a podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of pop culture and reality TV to our own lives. This is your host, Mandy Slutzker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. It has been quite a week in reality TV. Especially in Bachelor Nation. I'm not even sure where to. But I think I'll start with the happy news that Becca Martinez, who I fondly call Babysitter's Club Becca because of her youthful glow, is glowing because she's actually pregnant with her boyfriend, Grayston. So congrats to Becca. She said that it was not a planned pregnancy, but that after some discussions, they decided to um, move forward with it and that she was never really sure about Marriage, but she's always been sure that she wanted to be a mom. So huge, huge congrats to Becca. There is another ma- mother in Bachelor Nation who's been under some heat lately, and that is Amanda Stanton. So she was arrested on domestic battery for shoving her boyfriend Bobby Jacobs in Las Vegas. Now, she put out uh, an apology, but I really think it rings hollow and not quite true, at least according to the reports that have been coming out about the incident. It sounds like Amanda was at a bachelorette party. She was at the Magic Mike show. And her boyfriend was at the hotel room that they shared together asleep. So she was texting him and calling him, and he was not responding because he was asleep. So at about 11 p.m., she entered their joint hotel room, woke him up, and started throwing the phone at him, yelling at him for not answering. And apparently it got so bad that her boyfriend Bobby asked some of her friends to come over to help calm her down. And so, they, when they thought that she was asleep, they left. But apparently, she continued to hit him, according to him, and pinch him, and I don't know. The the fight went on for hours. That seems very odd to me. I do know that she is like a 90-pound woman, and I'm sure her boyfriend weighs more than 90 pounds, so it's questionable as to exactly what kind of damage she could inflict on him, but still definitely not okay to be violent, and apparently it continued to get so bad that he called her friends again, and they actually called... Uh, security for the hotel. And when security for the hotel showed up, uh, Bobby, her boyfriend, answered the door and then she ran to the door and gave what she calls was a playful shove. But that shove was so hard that the hotel security actually called police in Las Vegas to come and they reported the incident now for those of you who've been to Vegas before like me you know that hotel security has seen quite a few things in their day and so they let a lot of things slide because they want to focus on the real issues that are going on there Um, violence that kind of a thing. And if they felt that this was serious enough to report to the police, then I'm telling you, it, it does not look good for Amanda. Of course, obnoxiously, people have asked Josh Murray, what does he have to say about the incident? To which, of course, he had to give a comment because he can never remain silent. And he said that he's worried for Amanda and for the children, which is a really obnoxious thing to say. So the thing that I don't understand is in the statement that she gave to the public, she said that that evening she had a few drinks, but that she is a gentle, respectful person who has never gotten physical with anyone under any circumstance. And it appears that's a lie. So (laughs) I don't know why they would say that. She clearly got physical anyways her version of the story was that her boyfriend was physical with her or he was trying to pin her down when she was being violent or something and she got away from him and locked herself in the bathroom whatever this is it does not look good and i think amanda needs some serious pr control at this time but also should just lay low for a bit maybe get some anger management maybe not drink so much um definitely not okay with all the people mom shaming her that she should be with her kids and not out partying she's a mom 50% of the time she only has custody half the time her ex-husband has custody the other half of the time so we shouldn't shame her for going out to Vegas but she shouldn't behave this way because this is not how humans should behave it has nothing to do with her being a mom she should just be better now, the craziest, craziest story in Bachelor Nation this week has to do with Jenna and Jordan. And we will get to that in a little bit as I start to recap Bachelor in Paradise. So we're definitely going to get into Real Housewives of Dallas, and Real Housewives of the OC in just a bit, but right now want to dive into the season finale of Bachelor in Paradise because it got Coco Nuts. It started out with Jenna and Jordan going on a very sweet date where they made engagement photos. So... They was perfect date for Jordan who's a model and Jenna is adorable and they're on the beach and they are all lovey-dovey and it's all being photographed by some very unusual photographer with like really bright purple hair which I very much appreciated and then he asks them to change and Jenna is given a wedding dress, and Jordan is given a tux, and they pose for wedding photos as well. Jenna seems to freak out a lot at this. She's really nervous, which I understand. I can't imagine putting on a wedding dress for the first time. Um, you're not even sure if you're going to get engaged to this guy, but Jordan was great, calmed her down, kept her you know, happy and feeling secure and safe, and it was a really sweet date. And then enters the Bachelor in Paradise Cripkeeper, Keeper, Robbie Hayes, who no one was excited to see, especially the women. Everyone knows that on last season of Bachelor in Paradise, he dated Amanda Stanton and he cheated on her, and there was photographic evidence, which was presented by the twins on the after show. So, the women weren't really excited to see him, and everyone seemed to be in a pretty committed relationship, with the exception of Cassandra, who's with Jordan from New Zealand, but she had no interest in being with a guy who cheated on a single mom, as she is a single mom. So, he ends up going on a date with Shoshana, who's been branded as a witch because she makes a uh, long eye contact, I guess, with people. Very bizarre. And... Shoshana decides to ignore what everyone's been saying. She doesn't want to hear any rumors. She just wants to go out with Robbie. She'll double tap that. Now, producers are having some fun with this cuz they labeled Robbie a social inf- social media influencer influencer, which I just thought was hilarious. Now, can we take a second to talk about Robbie's eyes and his teeth? So his teeth are obviously brand new he had to have gotten veneers. But his eyes, I never noticed them before. Like the whites are so white and I don't know if they're gray or light blue or green or whatever, but like there's nothing behind his eyes. Like it's like the soul has left him and he's just left wandering this earth soulless. One interesting fact is there is a bit of a crossover between The Bachelor and Vanderpump Rules in that Robbie Hayes has been linked to Sheena Shea in the past. They're apparently very good friends and had gone on vacation together and maybe have dated at some point, but who knows. So anyways, Robbie goes out with Shoshana. They have zero chemistry. It is painful to watch. And then we get back to everyone else. Grocery store. Joe and Kendall are hanging out and joking around as always. And he mentions, "Hey, maybe y'all propose at the end of this." And she's like, "You're kidding, right?" And he doesn't say he's kidding. He just has that awkward, nervous grin. And this gets Kendall really nervous because she has commitment issues and her and Joe haven't really talked about their feelings, and it sounds like they haven't had a lot of conversations about what will happen after paradise. So Kendall completely freaks out and was like, I need to go to bed. I need to like sleep alone. And this worries Joe, and he starts to shut down. I think he thinks, you know what, I'm really into this girl, and she's just she's just not there, and I can't I can't get her there. So he's probably having all of these conversations in his head about where things are going without actually talking to Kendall and it sounds like from Kevin he packed his bags pretty tight and the next morning they had a conversation which you know he opened up finally and told her you know I really have feelings for you and I was playing it cool because You know, you said that you're afraid of commitment. And he said, you know, I thought... And she said, I thought we were were taking it slow. And he said, stop saying we. You're talking about yourself and your feelings. Like, I'm not part of that. I know what I want. I'm telling you how I feel. She just feels like she doesn't have time to process everything he's saying, that he's saying all of his feelings and everything for the first time. And without any, you know, real reason you know, rose ceremony being forced to decide, they just end up breaking up. And it's really heartbreaking because... You can tell Kendall just hasn't had time to process everything and isn't very good at processing via communication, uh, like talking out loud to her partner. Um, She kind of seems to need to do it away by herself, and Joe just was not willing to wait. So that was really tough, and everyone seems to be so shaken by the fact that Kendall and grocery store Joe broke up that when the rose ceremony comes, there's sort of a cloud hanging over. Well, the rose ceremony starts, and everyone seems to know who is getting each other's rose, with the exception of Olivia, who has a choice between Venmo John and Diggy, and she ends up giving it to Venmo John. Um, Cassandra gives her rose to New Zealand Jordan. Shushana gives her rose to Robbie, despite some of the girls telling her, hey, this guy is a piece of crap. She doesn't seem to care. Annalise gives it to Camille, Astrid to Kevin, Jenna to Jordan, and Crystal to Chris. And then everything changes. Chris Harrison comes in and he said, you know what? This is your last day in paradise. We're going to wrap up filming. Tonight is the fantasy suites. So only go if you're really serious about this relationship. And of course, this is where everyone starts to break down. The couple that I expected to make it the most, Astrid and Kevin, definitely have some tough times. So Kevin, who is so sweet, he's from Canada, he has some baggage from being in two previous bachelor relationships and going in the fantasy suite and he felt that maybe he shouldn't have done that with Ashley I and he's kind of questioning everything and he's trying to tell Astrid, you know, I'm 80% in but I'm not 100% in and, you know, she's just not sure what to make of it and the only thing that she asked from him this whole time was not to be blindsided and he basically blindsides her and breaks up with her but you can tell he still loves her and just has this emotional turmoil so they part ways she is devastated and it's really really sad then you see Annalise and Camille and Annalise is ready to go to the fantasy suite she is ready to get married engaged have babies like everything and Camille doesn't seem so sure but he says yep let's just go to the fantasy suite and there's that Um, Chris and Crystal seem to be on a great path. They decide to go. Um, Olivia and John decide that, you know what, they are going to try their relationship outside of paradise, but they're not ready for a fantasy suite. Um, Robbie (laughs) says, hey, maybe I'll come to Utah and take you on a date, Shoshana. And she's like, sure. That's never going to happen. Cassandra and Jordan from New Zealand also decide decide to leave and then that leaves Jenna and Jordan for going for the fantasy suite so there are three couples left Jenna and Jordan Chris and Crystal and Annalise and Camille And then we go in to the finale where Camille and Annalise, uh, he doesn't propose, but he says, I want to continue dating you and like, see where this goes. I know what you want and I want to keep moving forward. And she's like, yeah, so he didn't propose today, but maybe in like weeks or months. And I think that she thinks that he's going to propose at the after show. Anyways, then we get to Jenna and Jordan where he is head over heels for her and he proposes and it is so sweet he says I'm only gonna do this one time you know this is it and like I'm down for you and I'm here for you for everything which just breaks my heart with everything that happens after which we will definitely get into and then you've got Chris and Crystal and he kind of psychs her out and he's like I don't want to leave here holding your hand it's like, because I want to leave holding your heart. So they get engaged. And then we get to the after show. And I think there are so many things that still were left unquestioned, but the Big thing that happened was that we found out that um, Kendall definitely regretted how everything ended with grocery store Joe. She flew to Chicago to talk to him, to apologize, to say she does love him, she does want to be with him, and she just couldn't process it all at the time. He took some time to think through that, but he ended up deciding, yes, like I do want to date you. They are boyfriend and girlfriend. Uh, grocery store Joe gets offered a spot on Dancing with the Stars so he is going to be moving in L.A. to LA and that's where Kendall lives so they have a good shot for a few months we shall see how that goes then we find out that Kevin has apologized profusely to Astrid. He went home. He got a chance to see his therapist, get his head right. And he knows that he loves her and he did her wrong and he wants to make it up for her. Now she uh, make it up to her. So she is still a little bit on the fence, a little cagey, a little nervous, but it sounds like they've been taking steps to getting back together and are now officially together. So the two couples I thought were pretty strong, even though they broke up in paradise, ended up together in the real world. And then we see Annalise and Camille. And unfortunately, Camille decides to break up with Annalise on national television when I think she might have thought they were getting engaged. And her first words were like, you just booked an Airbnb for us to stay the week here. He did not give her any indication this was coming. And it sounds like a couple weeks earlier, she felt things weren't working. And she actually tried to break up with him. And he's like, no, let's work on it. It was so painful to watch but the best part was so she actually was crying and Chris Harrison said what would you like to do? And she's like I would like to leave. So she leaves the stage and she goes and she cries and Camille keeps talking and then she composes herself and she gets back to to that stage and you can tell she is pissed and she starts saying all the things that he could have done differently and it's not that he's breaking up with her it's how he's doing it to which Tia says yes bitch yes under her breath it is amazing it's such a great gift so all the women end up hugging Annalise everyone thinks Camille sucks is a horrible mean guy he is definitely not going to be a favorite of Bachelor Nation moving forward Um, Then we see Jenna and Jordan. And the only really awkward part of that is that Jordan does all the talking. And Jenna's kind of like, hee hee. And they ask Chris Harrison if he will officiate their wedding next year, 2019, on June 9th, back in Mexico where they met. So it sounds like they're pretty serious about setting a date and everything. Just wait. It gets crazy. So then we see Chris and Crystal. They are presented a crystal goose from Chris Harrison as a gift for their engagement because he calls himself the goose and she is her name is Crystal. Um, The really cute part about that was seeing their moms in the audience together. Apparently their moms have become BFFs, which is really adorable. Um, It also sounds like there were some things that weren't shown on the show that I really wish we got to see. And one of them is that Crystal took Chris aside when he was being a douchebag and was like, listen, you're going to leave here without any friends and you're going to lose me if you don't pull it together. Like stop acting like you're too cool. Stop being the way you're being and just be real and be honest and be open And he seemed to have changed since that conversation. But we never saw that conversation take place. But they did allude to it on this after show. He was in tears, actually, talking about her, how she changed him and everything. I don't know if she changed him, but maybe he finally felt comfortable being himself around someone And it was really beautiful to see. Now, there are a few things that I felt went unresolved, which I really wish they would have talked about. The first is Olivia and John broke up because John said he couldn't handle long distance, but apparently had been FaceTiming Chelsea. So is there anything there or are they just friends? And whatever happened to Chelsea's friendship with Annalise when she um, she tried to go after Annalise's boyfriend, Camille, on the last day. Uh, What was that about? Are they still friends? Is Chelsea seen anyone? Then Leo was there. They never, ever talked about Leo. It was so crazy because he was so angry and nuts and absolutely aggro. The fact that he was there and it wasn't acknowledged was just so weird to me. Okay, just had to get that out there before we get into the Jenna and Jordan madness of deceit and receipts. So it all begins on Sunday night with a cryptic tweet from Reality Steve that there is going to be a fraud exposed the following day. Someone who is on the cast of Bachelor in Paradise. And there was a hint that it was a woman. The next day, that woman was exposed. Her name? Jenna Cooper. So here's what happened. A man, potentially an older man, who Jenna was going to for business advice she also had a romantic relationship with he reaches out to reality steve and is just completely fed up and he said jenna is a manipulator she manipulated me She manipulates the other guys she networks with and is apparently manipulating this Jordan guy. She uses men for money and business help and loves the attention along the way. And she just loves to rub it in your face that she's pretty and everyone wants her and how she can easily move on to the next. He said he was tired of her BS and he was calling her out. So Reality Steve is like, all right, I hear this kind of stuff all the time. What, where are you getting this? Like what, show me the receipts. So he sends a series of text messages to Reality Steve, which are from Jenna to him. The first few messages just establish the fact that they are having a romantic relationship. It is quite clear, uh, based on the things that they're saying to each other, that they are having a romantic and sexual relationship. But then um, it sounds like this man was unhappy with Jenna for having to watch her on television, be in love and potentially get engaged to Jordan and he you know lets Jenna know like I'm really unhappy with this and the Craziest thing is this text message where she said, You know, I wanted to say sorry. Don't be mad at me or do anything crazy. I know you're upset about this week's episodes, but I told you yesterday and I keep telling you that this is all for my business. You know how much I need the money. Me and Jordan aren't together for real. I don't even like him, let alone love him. I'm better than him. And once I'm able to break it off for good and make up some story to make him look bad, if it'll make you feel better. He means nothing to me and never has none of the other guys I go out with mean anything all for work and networking. You're the only one I need in my life. The only guy who interests me and I need you to love me and always be there for me. And then she ends it with like, do you still love me? Question mark. And then a bunch of exclamation points. Apparently she had sent something similar to Jordan um, on August 22nd, which is pretty interesting. So these texts break, and Jenna does not immediately deny that she has sent them. Everyone is telling Jordan, hey, stop what you're doing, read these texts. And he said that in his heart, he knew that it was his Jenna who sent them because it was her style of writing, and it's the kind of things that he would say to her. Now, there is another twist and turn to this. So a friend of Jenna's apparently got in touch with reality Steve and was like, hey, you guys got it all wrong. Yes, she's seen two different people, but she's actually in love with Jordan and she's playing this business guy. And so she's, you know, stringing him along. But at the end of the day, she really loves Jordan and is using this guy for her business. Well, I don't think that makes it any better. This is just so devastating to hear. But the thing that is so crazy is that it took her 24 hours to respond publicly. And then when Jordan asked her, did you send these? She was like, well, you know how I am when I'm drunk. I would have to check my phone. She didn't unequivocally deny that she had sent them. Um, Her first statement was saying that she wanted everyone to know that the texts were completely fabricated. she never sent them to anyone. She did not cheat on Jordan and has nothing to hide. And that um, she has an attorney helping her investigate this hurtful and fraudulent attack on her character. And they're evaluating all legal remedies available to punish those responsible. Well, my question is, Why don't you just go to Reality Steve and say, hey, like, who sent this to you? This is a person who I think might try and malign my character. This is what's going on. Like, let's try and figure this out. But she has not been in touch with Reality Steve. And a couple other things that had been happening made Jordan really feel in his heart of hearts that this was all true and she had been playing him. So he decides to remove himself from the relationship. Now, what upsets me the most is that in her first statement, she doesn't acknowledge Jordan's feelings about this whole thing, saying, I'm sorry that Jordan has to go through this. He must feel horrible. I feel terrible that he is going through it, and I will do my best to make it up to him and everyone else by proving this wrong. But that's not what she does. She really focuses on her character um, and doesn't really give any proof for why these are faked. Now, it sounds like a couple different people have done some digging to see if you could try and actually fake those messages. And it seems like it would be pretty hard. And if Jordan feels as if they're true, I would go with his gut over everyone else on the internet's opinion. He said that there's a couple things that happened that made him end the relationship, the first of which is that she was really nervous before these came before the reality Steve announcement. So when he tweeted something on Sunday, she was you know saying how anxious she was about it. She called Jordan in the middle of the night really upset. I don't know what's gonna happen what is what is this gonna be And he just thought she was being anxious to be anxious and that's part of her character. But then something came out and it did have to do with her And then she didn't deny them immediately. and Jordan had actually seen all of the back and forth, that reality Steve had with this man that Jenna had been seeing. And between all of those messages, plus the text that we see, plus how she had been behaving and some things that didn't really add up, that's what made him uh, end the relationship. So obviously, we still have a lot to find out about this whole situation. I suspect it's actually what her friend was saying and that she was really is playing multiple men to make money for her business and then going on Bachelor in Paradise was another way to boost her business and along the way she did find a guy she really liked but she clearly couldn't fully open up to him because she was still seeing all of these other men. Now Jenna has a second statement that comes out days later where she does say that she is... Upset, and that she is sorry to Jordan that horrible people have used fabricated, hateful efforts to come between us. Um, And she says that I promise you that the truth will be set free in coming weeks and will unquestionably be to your satisfaction. It just doesn't even sound like she wrote that. The whole thing is so bizarre. And if in his gut he feels like there was something that she was holding back, I don't know if there's a way that you can repair that trust. And just the fact that she didn't deny it right away, I don't know. My verdict is guilty. So now I'm going to move on to some of the Real Housewives of the OC and Dallas. So this week on the Real Housewives of Orange County, we see the aftermath of the crazy fight when all the women are golfing around the situation with Emily Simpson's husband and he yelled at Gina and was that abusive? Does it remind Shannon of her former relationship, which was abusive? Blah, 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 blah. The whole thing is kind of crazy, and I feel like Tamara Judge is behind all of it. She's the one that was trying to make this an issue, and she has been really, really mean to Shannon. Now, this episode, we find out why. She's actually really hurt that Shannon has not been paying attention to what's going on in Tamara's life, especially around her husband, Eddie, who's had a lot of health struggles and has had multiple surgeries on his heart and that she didn't call him after these surgeries. And instead, it always seems to be about Shannon and her divorce and not about what's going on in Tamara's life. And so she finally opens up and it just would have been so much better if she could have done this from the beginning instead of dragging... Shannon and everyone into this fight that seems like it's not going to really end well. Um, But that being said, Tamara was quite drunk when all of this happened. And we see her drunk scooting. She is on um, still her knee scooter because of her broken foot. And her and Vicky hang out with Vicky's boyfriend, Steve. And Tamara is so crazy. She starts out by asking Steve, when is he going to propose? It's such an uncomfortable situation to put a man in and to do it in front of your girlfriend who clearly wants to get married to him. And she just doesn't end at that. She starts asking them about their sex life. She uses the F word, things that make Steve incredibly uncomfortable. It sounds like he's a very conservative man. He is quiet. He does not like talking about sex and he does not like having other people talk about his sex life to him. So not sure that did any favors for Vicky in moving the timeline along with her relationship with Steve and getting engaged. Then, later in the episode, there is more drama with Steve, the man who seems to hate drama and is only on the show because his girlfriend, Vicki Gunvalson, is the OG of the OC, the first housewife ever. And this is who she is, and so he accepts that and is on the show, but you can tell it's begrudgingly. So Tamara holds a birthday party for her husband, Eddie Judge, And the theme is red and hearts, which seems kind of cruel considering he's had multiple heart surgeries and has a major problem with his heart. But alas, Tamara thinks it's a cute idea and she has some hilarious headshots of Eddie blown up. They look like they're from the 80s Um, and she puts them up for everyone to look at at the party and that was That was probably my favorite part of the episode. Now, at this party, Steve is there with Vicky, and Kelly sees Steve for the first time. It sounds like since Kelly and her husband Michael got divorced, Michael stayed very good friends with Steve, and we all know that Steve and Vicky have been hanging out with Michael and his new girlfriend. And Kelly just really is unhappy about this. She doesn't like that Steve... Chose Michael's side, Um, and I guess there was a situation where Page Six, the tabloid, reached out and asked Steve for a quote or something about Kelly being upset about him and Vicky hanging out with Michael, and he said something like, "I don't know what she has to be upset about. He's not the one that wanted to get divorced. She should get over it." And Kelly obviously is not happy about this and decides to confront Steve at the party and she's like, "Hey, could you like tell me about what was going on with these comments you made to page 6?" And in her defense, she was calm when this all happened. She had been drinking, but she did approach him rationally, and I think he could have just said, "You know what, Michael's a friend of mine. I am not used to engaging with the press. I just said what was on my mind. I'm sorry if it hurt your feelings." But that's not what happens. Instead, he simply walks away from her. He doesn't want to deal with the drama. And she gets furious. Now, Steve is talking to Shane Simpson, Emily's husband, the one who's been at the middle of a lot of this drama about yelling at Gina and kicking her out on game night. Kelly does not remember meeting Shane before, doesn't seem to know who he is, Um, which ends up being kind of funny because she starts yelling at Steve and this guy who is Shane. She calls him a little bitch and some other not such nice things about him such as who's that dork over there And finally Emily's like you mean my husband she's like that's your husband and they get into it and Emily Simpson throws down she is not here for having someone disrespect her husband or yell at him of course her husband doesn't make this any better when he shouts are these the kind of people you want to be hanging out with it's like yes Shane she's getting paid to hang out with these women and she is one of the real housewives of the OC. So please stop asking her this question. So Emily is just yelling and finally she's like, I'll kill you! which is just such a crazy, crazy, crazy jump to make. Um, It definitely startles Kelly and everyone else who's around. And that is how it ends. And we go into next week and the previews look intense. So it will be interesting to see the fallout from this because I really thought that Emily was going to get along with Shannon and Kelly because she is fun loving. She's kind of carefree in some ways, but she's also a boss bitch she's a lawyer um you know doing so many cool things a party planner so um i don't know i think she probably unfortunately got off to a bad start with these women i hope things get a little bit better um, for her and also for gina who comes to emily this um, episode and says you know what i'm having some problems with my husband matt he's gone all the time and i actually don't mind it i don't really miss him I'm not sure we're really supposed to be together. And as we all know now, Gina and Matt are getting divorced. So there's a lot of foreshadowing going on, um, but let's get into my personal favorite, which is The Real Housewives of Dallas. So there's been a lot that's been happening the last few weeks that we haven't recapped, but... All of the women went to Beaver Creek, Colorado, and had a great time there, and some of the friendships have been shifting this season, including between Brandy and Deandra, who started out as not really liking each other. Brandy thought that Deandra was talking about her use of Adderall to a blog or on a podcast, and it kind of spiraled from there. But they have made up, and it turns out they actually have a lot of fun together. They both really like tequila and to dance and be silly and this is something that Deandra really hasn't had an opportunity to do she was brought up in high society in Dallas and was always expected to live up to her family name Simmons and never really got a chance I think to really be who she is in a way um, which seems to be very silly and fun and wanting to let loose and it seems like she can do that with Brandy so there's a lot that comes later on about that but Deandra is also dropping a lot of truth bombs to her best friend Leanne Locken who has been with the guy rich for nine years and last year they got engaged but since that engagement have not set a wedding date nor started any wedding planning and so she's pushing Leanne hey what's the deal with this like are you actually going to get married do you want to get married does he want to get married like why are you so afraid to talk about this and she ends up making it seem as if she's the one that holding back but really I think it's her boyfriend Rich who has been married and divorced three times before so the episode starts out with her and Rich at dinner talking about their relationship and upcoming wedding hopefully and she's like why haven't we really set a date like I haven't really pushed you I've been kind of afraid to talk about it um, but I don't know why and he's like okay and she goes Well, do you want to actually marry me? And he said, yes, I wouldn't have asked if I didn't want to marry you. She's like, so why are we dragging our feet? He's like, well, if you started planning, then maybe a date would come more naturally. Which sort of makes sense, I guess. Um, he seems like he really does love her and want to be with her. And she says, I really need some reassurance from you. Um, because for me, like, I want this to be a one-time deal. I want us to be together until we die. So he um, basically reproposes to her. Uh, and she accepts again. And she is very giddy over this. And it seems very sweet. And hopefully, they can move forward and actually start making wedding plans. But when she talks about this conversation she had with Rich to her friend Deandra, Deandra is not sold. She thinks that Rich is just buying time, telling Leanne exactly what Leanne wants to hear, and not being truthful. Uh, So I think Deandra should just butt out a little bit. This really isn't her mess to deal with. And I know she wants to be a good friend to Leanne, but let Leanne navigate this. She's having open, honest conversations with her fiancé And hopefully things will move forward. But it seems like there's a lot of tension between Deandra and Leanne. And Leanne definitely does not seem to enjoy Deandra having a good time with Brandy. So in this episode, they actually celebrate Deandra's birthday by going to the rodeo. And not everyone can make it. But the group is Leanne and Deandra, Brandy, one of Brandy's friends, and Cameron, who is Never been to a rodeo and apparently can't pronounce the animal bull. She was like bull, bull, (laughs) riding a bull, Um, which they do. They ride mechanical bulls. It's hilarious. Watching Cameron on a mechanical bull is like watching. I mean, she's got to be over six feet. She looks like Barbie mixed with Nicole Kidman and she's got on this like gorgeous outfit and she's moving so slowly on this like mechanical bull and just can't seem to let loose. She is so stiff and uncomfortable in these kinds of situations, which was pretty hilarious to watch. So when all of this is going down, they're drinking, they're dancing, they're being very silly, but a conversation comes up because Cameron is part of, uh, she married into a wealthy Um, sort of high society Dallas family and Deandra grew up in one and how they have these expectations from their family on how to act uh, I guess in public and Leanne is trying to explain this to Brandy as if Brandy you know you wouldn't understand you just act silly and however you want because you don't have to live up to your name the whole thing was just really ridiculous. And DeAndra says, you know, I'm kind of tired of all of that. I've been doing that my whole life. I'm 49. I kind of just want to let loose, be myself and have fun. And whoever likes me, likes me like I'm over it. And her and Brandy just are really getting along. Brandy gives her a gift for her birthday. It was a necklace that she had seen when they were shopping together in Beaver Creek and decided she wasn't going to buy it because it was too much money. And so Brandy actually bought it for her, split it with Stephanie and Carrie, and then gave it to Deandra as a gift. But Leanne and Cameron are very, very, very skeptical of this new friendship and I can see kind of things shifting with Deandra sort of joining the Brandy and Stephanie and sometimes Carrie like silly group who knows how to laugh and let loose and then Leanne and Cameron being in more of sort of the judgy group where you have to act a certain way. And it's just kind of silly to hear them have these conversations. Maybe that's because I wasn't brought up in high society where I had all these expectations on me. But just you can behave how you want to behave. And at the end of the day, you're all on a reality TV show where people throw drinks, where people swear, where people are absolutely ridiculous. So how could you judge one another when you're all doing the same thing? So... I'm a little confused by it. I really don't want to see the downfall of Deandra and Leanne's friendship, but I foresee it happening, especially in previews for next week, where it sounds like Leanne is not spreading rumors, but sharing true things about Deandra's financial situation, which is never something a friend should do to another friend. But alas, we will have to see how that plays out on next week's episode. Thank you all so much for joining. Um, We had a lot to cover, a lot of deception, a lot of receipts, and a lot of drama per usual. So please subscribe and rate the podcast. And I'll talk to you all next week. So that concludes this week's episode of Is This Real Life? Thank you so much for joining. Please be sure to subscribe on either iTunes or SoundCloud and follow on social media at ITRL underscore podcast. See you next week.